welcome to the Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit podcast, the show that helps you find freedom from anxiety, overthinking, worry, and stress. I'm Siobhan Friel, a fellow human being, transformational coach, and your new friend. Come and hang out with me as we explore a whole new understanding of the human experience so you can enjoy life with more peace and ease. Hello and welcome back to Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit. In today's episode, we're going to be exploring some myths and misconceptions about what it means to be on a path to experience less anxiety and overwhelm and worry and to live with more peace, clarity and joy. And there's a myth right there in what I just said (laughs) when I said what it means to be on a path to experience less anxiety, etc, etc. There is no path, but there is a myth that there is a path and the path goes in a certain direction and looks a certain way and it takes a certain amount of time and the path is free from litter and dog poop and graffiti, (laughs) but there's no path. So there's myth one, debunked already, and we've only been hanging out for one minute. This myth-busting episode is part inspired by a conversation with a friend I had recently who was telling me how infuriated they get by people walking onto an escalator and then just standing still. Me too, I exploded, and my friend recoiled in that way that people do when they're somewhat horrified and surprised by the strength of your reaction, which people seem to do all the time to me. Anyway, my friend looked at me rather curiously and said, what? You get infuriated by that too? Don't you teach peace? Surely you've mastered not getting annoyed at people standing still on an escalator. Lol. Firstly, no, I do not teach peace. (laughs) It seems that we cannot teach peace, like, we can't teach digestion. We may point to it and see it working or something, but it seems that one cannot teach something that another already has. But they can perhaps remind them of that thing. So, perhaps I am a peace reminderer, if I have to have a label at all. Anyway, this exchange brought to mind a number of other little examples of what we think experiencing less anxiety and more peace looks like, or what happens generally when we look in this direction of how humans experience life and all that cool stuff that we talk about. I would quite like to have had an episode like this myself five or six years ago when I was first exploring this paradigm. Like many others, I had been searching for a way to feel better. And like many others, I felt shit most of the time. (laughs) This would show up as deep insecurity, anxiety, overwhelm, worry and panic. This led to addictions and habits to try and escape the bad feelings. But guess what? Only compounded them. And like many others, I thought it was just me. I thought that I was the problem. I was broken. Because look, everyone out there is doing just great. And that's what many of us think. And when we feel this way, we feel compelled to change. We try and change our outside world, seeking a different job or a different location or a different partner or different pastimes or different haircuts. And when that invariably doesn't work, we try and change ourselves. We need to be thinner, be fitter, be kinder, be smarter, be richer, be more productive, just be better, always. (laughs) 
But this doesn't help us either, not least because we can't seem to even make the changes we think we need. Us humans, we try all the things in the physical world. We read the books and take the courses, or at least start the courses. (laughs) And if we can't get the results we want, we figure that we are the problem. So we try even harder, and then we fail even harder. And because we think all of this is still our fault and still up to us, we feel worse than ever. But wait, (laughs) there's another thing to try. We tried fixing the outside world and then fixing ourselves and that didn't work, but now there's another one. Now we can try to fix our thoughts. It's just our thinking, we're told. Cool. Well, if it's just our thinking, we can change that. It's just pesky old thoughts after all. They just need a bit of rewiring or belief changing or picking better thoughts or reframing or thought stopping or insert other technique here until you've spent thousands of dollars on programs, books, courses and coaching certifications and trainings like someone. So sidebar, there is a certain utility to this kind of thought work that I just kind of teased. And I have spoken about this back in a double episode on, what's it called? Should we try to manage control or change our thoughts or something? So um, I'm not going to go into it now, but I'll link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. Anyway, suffice it to say, I'm not the only person who felt that they tried all the things to feel better and spent a fortune on programs and courses and trainings and switched careers and moved hemispheres and a zillion other things to try and feel less like shit but still felt very much like shit. So I eventually stumbled into the kind of thing that we talk about here which is I suppose a new way of talking about an ancient thing. (laughs) A way of talking about what humans knew all along before we went and paved over it with our relentless industry and breathless advancement and towering economies and systems and such like. I stumbled into this thing I do now, along with many others around the world, a way of talking about how we experience life. And the heart of that is our innate peace and well-being only ever obscured by our moment-to-moment ephemeral thoughts. So this thing is not about changing the outside or changing the inside or changing our thoughts. It's not about change. It's a seeing, not a changing. An understanding, not a forcing. A simple awareness, not an effortful tampering. And all that leads me in a typically long-winded fashion (laughs) to why I wanted a podcast episode like this six or so years ago when I was exploring this new but old paradigm, this new but old understanding, this new but old thingamajig. I had glimpses that I just couldn't ignore, glimpses of peace and freedom and something completely different than anything that came before it. But I felt that I was having more bumps and challenges and periods of darkness compared to others, it seemed. There were lots of great stories online, but not nearly as many as there are now. It's really kind of exploded, which is awesome. But lots of great stories online at the time, full of soul-warming transformations and beautiful transitions and lots of love and peace and good shit like that. But there were very few that spoke about the messier-seeming side, 
Although there are more now, and I will add this episode to the growing pile. So if you've been poking around in this space of new but old paradigm or understanding or whatever you've come to call it, and you may have seen some glimpses of something cool, and maybe you've had some little insights or realizations or something, maybe not, but something is resonating with you somewhere, so you keep exploring and reading and listening and pondering, and you still feel like shit sometimes, or a lot of the times, or you're confused, or feeling a bit muddled, or untethered, or adrift, or sad, or any of the human feels, then this one is for you. This topic will actually be a two-parter with some of the most common myths shared today and then a chance in between parts for you to share your own myths or misconceptions for us to explore in another episode and I'll mention that again at the end. So before we get into the myths, let's stop to just acknowledge why we are even talking about this stuff. Like, why are there myths to be debunked anyway? Why are there misconceptions, falsehoods and misinformation around what it means to be on a journey of freedom from anxiety and a more consistent connection with our innate inner peace? Why? Because we have a human brain (laughs) and a human brain has quite the proclivity for measurement, accomplishment, comparison and competition. You've probably noticed Our brains crave progress, tracks milestones, strives for achievements and finds gratification in success. Our brains tend to judge and compare and to evaluate our present state and invariably find it lacking, yearning for something better elsewhere that simply must be out there but we don't have it. It's common for us to feel discontent when we perceive others as more peaceful or happier or less anxious than we are. We label it as a deficiency, as if peace and happiness are finite commodities that we're losing out on. Our brains are measurement-loving machines. How can we assess our position in life if not through measurement, thinks a brain? A brain wants to quantify progress, to mark the steps taken in pursuit of our goals. It wants to evaluate our standing. And this gives us a sense of control and feed its need for accomplishment, all in the name of survival. But, sorry brain, there are aspects of life that defy the concept, the human created concept may I add, defy the concept of the measurement that you so crave brain, aspects of life like love and peace and happiness or fulfillment. These things cannot be measured or quantified and nor should they be. Some things like the essence of being and the depth of human experience are simply beyond the realm of measurement. But a brain hates that, (laughs) so it's going to try and measure anyway. And by the way, and if you're thinking, gosh, are we ever getting onto the myth, Siobhan? Then we are in a minute. (laughs) I'm kind of talking about our brains as an illustration, and I hope you can hear beyond my specific words. A brain is an organ. A brain doesn't have an agenda in the way I described it. I'm just kind of being another non-neuroscientist talking in a way that most of us understand, but that is not materially correct. Okay, shall we get on to the myths then? 
So see if you can spot any that you've been thinking are true. And we'll look at a few common ones now and then we'll share some more in the next episode, including any that you write in with. Okay, here we go. Anxiety will gradually decrease in a systematic and incremental manner, revealing an ever-deepening sense of inner peace until anxiety completely disappears. This is an absolute myth. Massive myth and smells suspiciously like it came from the perfectionist tendency of a human brain which wants measurable systematic successes to decide if things are going okay as we just talked about. It also smells like the growth and progress orientation of the capitalism-informed ideology that we all swim in. I talked about the systems that may influence and condition our thoughts back in episode, I can't remember the number actually, I don't know why I bothered trying, (laughs) but it's called Where Do Those Crappy Thoughts Come From Anyway or something like that. I'll link to it in the show notes if you're interested in exploring that one if you haven't already. But it's enough to know for now that anxiety gradually decreasing in a systematic and incremental way and revealing an ever-deepening sense of inner peace until it goes away completely is an enormously massive stinky myth. (laughs) If you listen to the episodes of the podcast where I have guests, I often ask the last time they were caught up in anxiety or humanness. And I love that they all all, all (laughs) have said today or yesterday. (laughs) And my guests have included people that have been guides or teachers or explorers of this understanding for literally decades. One such guest was Wynne Morgan, who I love and I talk about all the time. Wynne has been absorbed in this kind of work for years and years. He teaches it to leaders in global corporations and he mentors coaches and facilitators who use it in their work. So you could say he's pretty darn grounded. Yet, just in the last couple of weeks, he wrote in his newsletter with humbling and glorious detail about getting incredibly stirred up in his head, which I just loved. I loved the authenticity of sharing that because what we call anxiety will never completely go away. We're human beings experiencing life moment to moment, feeling our arbitrary, nebulous and ephemeral thinking. Life and our mind can and will be messy and any hopes to harness it into a measurable journey of systematic progress will only make us feel worse for that will be an impossible quest. The feeling of anxiety or any feeling of being away from peace in whatever way we label it, that feeling will come and go like all feelings. As Wynne wrote so succinctly but shortened somewhat here, Wynne wrote, I get freaked out, I'm not in control, I will feel what I think and I do my best in the moment. It's just perfect, isn't it? Another incredible human in this field is Amanda Jones, who is a beautiful coach and author and one of my early influences and inspirations. So she's spoken before about the concept of change blindness, which I think is relevant here. How we don't see our changes, if change is what we want, by the way, how we don't see it on a day-to-day basis. And we sometimes only see change in retrospect or from a distance. So I'm not sure if this is Amanda's metaphor, possibly is, but thank you to whomever created it anyway. Our experience 
is like a child walking up a hill playing with a yo-yo. We feel like we are the yo-yo going up and down all the time. But seen from a distance, the yo-yo is still progressing up the hill or something. (laughs) Now, this is just an illustration and I'm quite sure that Amanda or anyone in this field would not be wanting us to look for progress necessarily, to look for being the yo-yo, being walked up a hill. But it's just a way to mollify or calm our progress-seeking minds. But please don't take it too seriously. Okay, myth debunked. Here's another. Everyday annoyances and inconveniences will not bother us and we will float through our days unruffled and serene like beautiful swans on a crisp lake. (laughs) No fucking way. (laughs) Sure, there may be moments like that. Moments of being unruffled, serene swans. Hours maybe. Maybe a whole day. And there'll be people in other videos or podcasts or somewhere on the internet saying that they live like this most of the time. Yay for them. Love it. But most of us, including me and all of my teachers and everyone I've ever worked with, will still experience the blistering turbulence of an agitated mind on the regular. (laughs) I can attest to this personally with a very recent example Actually, (laughs) actually, and to strengthen my point, I will always be able to attest to this with a recent example. But the most recent one was the inability to publish this very podcast episode that you're listening to on time due to two separate and unrelated technical issues overlapping with each other and then clashing with several other unexpected life factors that all came together in an unprecedented, ghastly confluence of complete failure. Or so my mind is telling that story. Gosh, it's so dramatic. So I experienced a surprising amount of speedy, tangled, judgment-filled thinking when the podcast episode wasn't going to go out on time. I was not a serene swan until I was again, and then I wasn't. And then I was, and repeat, for all of us, forever. Here's another one. To have less anxiety and more peace, your thoughts will change. You will have better thoughts, more benevolent, peaceful thoughts, and thoughts about circumstances or things or people which seemed to make you anxious before will now magically be transformed into loving, wisdom-filled appreciation of that thing. Example. Instead of thinking that you will be in a car crash if you drive on the highway, you know, you now actively think that even if you were in a car crash, it would be a loving experience <laughs> bringing you an opportunity to reevaluate the important things in life and possibly getting some time off work. That's if you don't die. And if you die, you're fine with it. <laughs> oh, this is such a myth. Living in more peace and with less anxiety most certainly does not require changing our thoughts or having nicer thoughts or better thoughts. So if you find that your thoughts are still the dumpster fire of worry, catastrophizing, comparison and doom, then join the club. This exploration is not to do with changing thoughts at all and trying to change sometimes keeps us stuck by believing that the content of thoughts is important. What we think 
doesn't fucking matter. You cannot control your thoughts. Nobody can. Not even the people selling the $599 headbands, which use some kind of magnets to disrupt your brainwaves or something. Please do not buy one of those. Peace is not an achievement or something to be thought into existence. It's our inherent and natural state of being, only ever seemingly covered up by erroneous and agitated thoughts. By understanding that our thoughts are arbitrary, transient and impermanent phenomena, we can take them less seriously and the content of them becomes less compelling and personal. Sure, your thoughts may change, or they may not, but this is not a goal or a sign of something. It's the relationship with your thoughts which is where the good shit is, and you don't do anything about that. Like, take a pet or a kid or a colleague, how you feel about them is not really up to you. You just kind of know how you feel about them, right? And that may even change from day to day. Your relationship with your thoughts is not up to you either. But we can see, especially with time and patience and curiosity, our relationship with our erroneous thinking changes by itself. And what you think matters less and less. Okay, here's another one. In order to experience lives of greater peace and freedom from anxiety, we must have a profound insight, realisation or epiphany or encounter some other kind of mind-blowing catalyst or special event. (laughs) Okay, this one is a complete and utter myth, but one that I may be guilty of disseminating a little bit, because I have been known to witter on about the power of insights. Gosh, am I the Alex Jones of inner peace misinformation? Insights, epiphanies and realisations are fucking cool, but insights are just the meta-awareness, I guess, of something that's happening all the time. Like, an insight is when we notice that we are breathing, let's say, but we're breathing all the time. So the insight is the awareness of the thing that's already happening. So you don't need to have insights or notice you're having insights to experience the juice of the process. Like, you don't need to notice your breathing to get the benefit of oxygen into your lungs. Make sense? So needing insight or realisation or epiphanies, which all kind of mean the same thing, I suppose, an awareness of a new thought or something... Needing any of that to change your relationship with anxiety or to experience more of your innate inner peace is just not true. Consider it debunked. Poof! We are constantly shifting and changing and moving and evolving, whether we know it or not. Our perceptions and interpretations and understanding of the world are always, unavoidably, transitioning or reordering themselves being reshaped and redefined, whether we know it or not. We don't always need a thunderclap of revelation or a grand epiphany to experience positive change. Connection with our innate peace is not dependent on a single moment of insight. It's a perennial facet of your being. 
an everlasting aspect of your essence, a timeless element of your existence, which all mean the same thing, I guess, but makes me sound really poetic. Okay, how about we leave it there for today before this gets too long? There's more to explore, so we'll do a part two in a couple of episodes' time. If you suspect that you know a myth or a misconception about the path to less anxiety and more peace, haha, path, there's no path, then pop me an email at hello at and we'll unmask it on the show. And we'll also check in with Anxious Alice to get her thoughts and we'll explore a little around how we can avoid getting caught up in these myths and comparison traps. Okay, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Bye! Oh, P.S. The next episode features a very, 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 very special guest indeed. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. This is the part where I ask you to share, review and subscribe to the show. So if you go and do that, I would absolutely love it. If you have thoughts or questions or insights about this episode or anything really, come and share them with me on Instagram at Siobhan Freel or visit me at SiobhanFreel.com. See you next time.